You know, and I always say this, if you want a firefighter to start off on the right step, make it, make him or her put their hand up, make them put their hand up and, and take an oath to swear to do their job to the best of their ability, you know, and, and to uphold the constitution of the United States. So help me God, make them put their hand up and take an oath because there's a difference between oath takers and service providers. Firehouse Vigilance presents the Weekly Scrap, a podcast dedicated to the never-ending fight against complacency. Corley Moore, Firehouse Vigilance. It is Weekly Scrap number 225. Joining us tonight, once again, is my brother, Chief Rick Lasky. (laughs) He is held in high esteem across the nation more than four decades of dedicated fire service, highly respected fire service leader. Chief Lasky brings wealth of experience, expertise. He served firefighter, company officer, fire chief, all through the ranks, known for his dynamic speaking engagements, insightful teachings. He's also the author of best-selling books, Pride and Ownership, and co-author Five Alarm Leadership, an unwavering commitment to firefighter safety and leadership development. Chief Lasky continues to inspire and educate both within and beyond the firefighting realm. It is my absolute pleasure to have you on as the guest once again of Weekly Scrap, number 225 this time. Welcome, my brother, back to I the think, I, Well, I thank you, Corley. First of all, I think, I think I was in the minus columns. I was in BC before Corley with you because, you know, I think we did one a long time ago, uh, yes. with, you know, and, and uh, here we are again. But and, and for your viewers and for your listeners, um, I didn't write that intro. I didn't pay him to do that or anything. So, you know, that was, that was awfully nice. Of you, But uh, uh, I owe you 20 bucks for that one. So uh, brother, a hundred percent earned with your dedication and service to the uh, man. I, if I could tell you how much of an impact just your book had before I met you, well, long before I met you, how much of an impact it had on this existing, let alone everything that's happened at my department because of, so I really do mean that from the bottom of my heart, but anything I missed, is there anything you would like to add to the intro? I always like to ask. No, not, nothing actually, uh, brother. Just, you know, it's kind of funny. You talk about pride and ownership, and a lot of people do. And, you know, I, number one, I, I never I never meant to write the book. I didn't want to write the book. Um, and pride and ownership was was an accident. Uh, I've got like 360-something programs that I do. And, you know, if you go through our company, Officer Cam, if you went through the Saving Your Own program years ago, um, you, you left with, a, it was a train to train. You left with a lesson plan, with your objectives, your handouts. Pride and ownership was a rant. That was me just, I get on my soapbox about, about chiefs that don't care about their guys and company officers don't train their people and firefighters just there for a paycheck or they're just there for the t-shirt, their volley joint. And, and, uh, Peter Hodge who was running FDIC at the time. Um, uh, called me and said, uh, I've been on the FDIC advisory board since they bought it since 90, you know, 95 and with the magazine since 95. And, um, he said, Billy wants to know if you do the opening keynote at Indy. Uh, Bill Manning gave me my start. Bobby Halton, my dear, dear friend, Bobby Halton, uh, passed away a year ago, December. Actually, I was with him mm. right up to it. We were teaching together in Hawaii. Uh, and then we went home and the next morning he was gone. Mm. Um, Bobby took over and did an incredible job. But Billy gave me my start. So I'm always indebted to Bill Manning, a great man, great guy. But Peter says, Bill wants you to know if you do the, the opening keynote at Indy. And I'm like, all right, I'm a good soldier. What's he going to be doing on? He goes, we want you to do it on your thing you do. And I said, what thing is that? Now, Peter's from New Jersey, so he's an accent. So it's, you know, they have accents there. So they put R's like idea, and I saw her. And um, he says, ding, not thing. I go, what thing? He goes, you know, when you hear your soapbox, you bitch about chiefs, don't care about the guys, cover your officers who are lazy, you know, trainer people, and blah, blah, blah. And firefighters, they don't give a shit about the job. And I said, I said, Pete, they don't want to listen to a, 
Polak Italian from Chicago get up there and, and bellyache. He goes, no, no, we lost our toehold on the traditions of fire service. We don't talk shop anymore. Chiefs don't. They're scrubbing the walls at a firehouse bare and sterile and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, we did the keynote and things took off from there. And then they asked me to do a book. I said, I don't want to do a book. Then my good friend Diane Rothschild from the magazine said, well, how about you do a 12-part article series? So I did. And right at the end, Jerry Nalis became the head of books for Fire Your Books and Videos. And he did the whole, I'm a Mason, he's a Mason. He pulled the whole brother card and said, you are going to do this book. And I went, shit. So we did it. <laughs> but it was written correctly without, there's no, they, you know, there's no, I've got two more books coming out, but there's no, there's no second edition. It's written to never, you know, the only thing that's in there is like Chief Brunacini at the time, after a while, didn't say retired from Phoenix. It's just, it's, it, there's no uh, deadline or dead, you know, dead date to it. It's right. Just, it's rolling. So it is timeless, man. I'm telling you it, the message is so, so uh, timeless. I mean, I mean that, and, and that's the power of it. And so I, I'm happy it started as a rant. That makes that makes my soul happy. But <laughs> if it's imperfectly here <clears throat> with everything you do on this show. <laughs> okay, so here we go. Let me get the uh I'll do the housekeeping. Um Kyle is here, uh audience, and I'll read a little bit. Just I'm gonna catch a few comments. Uh checking in from Florida from Cody Brooks. This is gonna be epic. Alan says, let's go. Evening brothers from Alan says, Hope everyone had a great Christmas. Station 55 from Windsor Heights is checking in. Rob Fisher says, granddaughter watching with Jody, trying to fit it in the chat at the same time. Good luck, Rob. Um, <laughs> Joey Hess says, Chief Lasky is outstanding in today's leadership and mentorship. Absolutely. Ryan Goodyear says, let's go. Okay, there's tons of them. Tons of hype. Absolutely. So, audience, if you have questions for Chief Lasky, please, please, please type them in the chat. Kyle Romagus is here. He is watching the chat. He is watching YouTube. He is watching Facebook. And if you type the question, he will send it, and we will ask Chief to get his opinion. And he can answer or not answer. I have a feeling he'll give us his opinion on it. Well, and, and you know, buddy, I, I know we, we go back and forth to the compliments, and I'm honored uh, with, with a lot of things you say. But you, you've got a great show. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people out there trying to uh, – they're, they're, they're making a good effort with a lot of different podcasts and that, but they just don't have it. They don't have the, the personality. They don't have the means in, in a way of – being able to put something out there that people pay attention to, um, and and uh, and that make a difference in people's lives, and 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 your show makes a difference. I, I mean, I hear people talk about it all the time. I see the comments, and uh, people say, "Hey, did you hear so and so on the weekly scrap? Did you hear the you know Cor- Corley had on?" I'm like, you know, yes, 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 and all that. And I try to share as much of what you. I do. I appreciate it, and it's, and your kind words. Great no, I. I cannot say enough thank yous for the kind words. And this is the part that blows my mind is people say, thank you for what you do. I get to talk to the the giants of the fire service every week. And then people say, thank you. And so to me, it blows my mind. And I, I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I'm so you, grateful. You had a, you had a conversation with what I consider a giant, my buddy, John Salka, the Absolutely. best I ever had in my life. Um, the cool thing about John uh, Corley is, is, you know, we've been best of friends since the early nineties. Bobby Halton used to say, we've been friends that long. We've never had an argument. We've never even got mad at each other. We've never, never, we've never even had, uh, I love him. My, my brother passed away when, when he was nine, I was 13. And my brother lives within John Salka. Um, mm. He is the best friend I ever had. Uh, he's an incredible friend. He's one of the smartest people I know. Uh, as, a, as a fire ground commander, he's phenomenal on the fire ground. But his knowledge base, and you know what? He's, he's a great husband and he's an incredible father. 
Um, but the thing I really like about him, Corley, we'll go places and we'll, we'll come back to the hotel and he'll come to my room. I'll go to his room. I'll go, this is the coolest thing in the world. We get to hang with the coolest people in the world. We get to hang with, just like you said, we get to hang with firefighters. We get to go to dinner and talk shop and go have coffee at the firehouse. And we say that all the time about the people we get to visit with. You know, guys will come up and go, Can we, I take, well, yeah, take a picture or sign a book. I've never, I mean, we're just honored that we get to do what we do. And we always tell people we're just a couple of chooch freaking firefighters. Yeah. I love what we do. There's some, there's a lot of prima donnas out there that read their own newspaper clippings and, um, you know, the whole saying egos eat brains. And John and I, we just love what we do, dude. That, that's I love it. it. I absolutely love it, man. Okay. I got to do the sponsors. I got to get that out of the way. Then we can just go crazy. Absolutely. Uh, the OG sponsor of the scrap, Kehoe's. Joey Hayes is here. My man, Joey Hayes is here, but Kehoe's. Love Kehoe's. Uh, check them out online at Kehoe's.com. Follow them on Facebook. Of course, I have to talk about Affordable Drill Towers, home of the Affordable Drill Tower, the Affordable Standpipe Prop, and introducing the all-new Affordable Bailout Prop. They are fighter fire owned and operated, pump and roll, using the Affordable Standpipe Prop. The Affordable Standpipe Prop, it fits through most classroom doorways for standpipe theory, and then you can roll it out into the parking lot, and you can pump it using realistic flows and pressures. It comes with up to seven standpipe valves that can be upgraded to PRVs or customized. Call Steve, 844-55-TOWER, or drop an email to info at affordabledrilltowers.com. Firefighter safety and accountability, it starts with being able to quickly find and identify individual firefighters operating on the fire ground. Identifier safety combines the best in photoluminescent materials for durable firefighter identification solutions that can glow for up to 20 hours with no switches or batteries, which means being able to rapidly identify firefighters by name, unit, or assignment, even under hot fire conditions. Be seen on scene. Identifiersafety.com. And finally, the big show. I love it. FDIC International. It takes over Indianapolis April 15th through the 20th, and you have to be there to experience it. No other event brings together the fire service industry like FDIC. With over 34,000 fire service professionals, hands-on training covering the latest in technology and technique, expansive conference program and nearly 800 leading manufacturers displaying their products and services if you haven't been to the big show i mean it's you have to see it to believe it it's not a regular trade show it's fdic international register today at fdic.com and this is the coolest part you can use the promo code scrap s-c-r-a-p exclamation point that's really cool that the scrap has a registration code so i, I want to say it. okay that's it the I, just, I like the fact that you, you not only is it a great show you have great sponsors because every one of them is freaking incredible um i, I love uh, each and every one of them obviously fire engineering the fire engineering family fdic family is my second family and i love them dearly but uh great great sponsors dude great sponsors. i'm very very proud of everybody involved brother absolutely and uh Yes, that, that puts the housekeeping out of the way. Uh, everybody, throw your questions at Kyle. So here we go. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to keep it right in your wheelhouse and, and stay right on the, on the topic of pride and ownership because I love it, man. I cannot tell you enough, uh, and I, I, I know we compliment each other back and forth and all of that, but your book is the reason I started making a big deal out of retirement parties at our department. Like I started making retirement videos that played at the retirement party, and I think there was close to 27 retirement videos that I made and put out uh, and it completely changed the retirement aspect all because of this little rant 
called Pride and Ownership. Well, so, can, can you imagine, Carly? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but can you no, imagine? No. You know, I, I, we were doing a class in Amarillo, Texas, a, a great fire department. They're, they have a great fire chief now. Uh, he's been, well, he's been not now. He's been voodoo for a while, but I, I know him. Uh, great guy. He gets it. Uh, great. You know, the whole region, the whole area there. And I'm doing Pride and Ownership, but I got to the point where I'm doing ceremonies. I'm talking about retirements. And I, I read, you know, the poem I have, Remember Me, I've Forgotten You. And I looked out and there's there's this guy sitting to the left of me. He's, he's got tears. He's crying. And I'm like, oh, man, what I do, you know? And I said, you okay? He says, you know, I worked 33 years at my department. And he says, my last day, I just grabbed the box of my stuff from my locker, walked out to my truck. And that was, I said, I, I don't know. And, and, and I'll never, you know, mention the department he, he worked with, obviously. But how do you let someone walk out the door? This is not, you know, and I don't want to diss anybody's job, but, you know, there's a big difference between driving past a factory and go, God, I wish I'd go back there in July and work that press versus I wish I'd go back and sit around the kitchen table and talk hmm. to the, the boys and girls, you know, talk to, you know, talk shop and everything. And, you know, you, you the fire service is such a cool job, volunteer career. And to be done and and to let people, it's almost, it's almost a crime. You let these people walk out the door. You don't wish them, you know, some guys go, I just want to go out like I came in quiet. I'm like, oh, bullshit. You know what? You know, I, I've never met anybody that doesn't want someone to say, hey, you know, whether it's just cake and coffee or you have a passing the command or a changing a command or a retirement ceremony, whatever you're doing. But what you're doing, you know, so many people with the, with the videos, being able to record what they're doing, but actually interview them. Cause once they're gone, the history is gone. I tell people when they leave, it's like they're running out the firehouse with sacks full of gold coins. And if you don't capture that information, it's gone. And I, I just can't imagine leaving the fire service and somebody just goes, well, you know, uh, I, you know, thank you. We're just uh, glad. You know, and nobody does nothing for us. Right. So that is awesome. That is awesome. No, and it was reading your book and, and uh, we had a retirement party and I might've told you the story before either might've been on our first scrap or it might've been just in at one of the times when we were together. Uh, we had a retirement party. It was just it, to call it a party was, was a misnomer. It was like a Walmart cake and, <laughs> And, you know, uh, the person tried to say something and there was no no one could hear him because it was in the bay and there was wind blowing. It's Oklahoma. And, you know, the area. So, you know, it was windy and it was just terrible. It was terrible. And I just read your book and I was like, this will never happen again. You know, and so. And that's what it takes is intentionality. It's just it's just that I was looking to see I've got I've got this one deal I want to read for you if I can find it. But I'm just it it is it's it's so sad that. We're, we, you know, we let people walk out the door without recognizing them, without, uh, w- without, without, you know, wishing them well and all that. It's just, it's, it's just so wrong for us to do that. Um, um, you know, we, 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 we got to get better at that, you know? No. And, and I don't know why firefighters are so good at, or so bad, I should say, at just letting someone walk out and say, okay, see you later. You know, it's, exactly. it's. Yeah, we're, we're, we are bad or good. I don't know which way. I don't know the right term to put on it, but we are bad at it. Well, are you ready? Go ahead. Go ahead. I'll read it real yes. quick. All right. This is, this is in my pride and ownership program. And I borrowed this from a friend of mine out West years and years and years ago. Um, what happened, if you don't mind me telling the story um, about retirements, I'm sitting in my, my office in Louisville, Texas, great fire department, great city, 10 minutes North of Dallas. And at lunchtime, one of our retired captains, he retired before I got there, Gail Johnson came in. And he sat down and he's kind of, he's kind of, uh, 
fidgeting, like, unre- and I said, I said, Cap, I said, what's wrong? He goes, well, I was looking for Tim. I said, well, they're coming back from lunch. I go, what's wrong? He goes, well, Chief, I, I, I come up to get my check. And a lot of the retirees, they didn't want to do direct deposit. They want to get their check, come and get it, because it gives them a chance. They walk in, they grab a cup of coffee, they pour it. Right. They're bitching about having to make the drive and all. But you know what? They, they want to come up and have that coffee and sit around the firehouse. And he says, I'm over at Central, and I'm pouring myself a cup of coffee. And this young firefighter come up to me and said, can I help you, sir? And I said, I'm, um, he goes, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm Gail Johnson. He says, are, are, are you lost, sir? Do you, do you need, do you need some directions? He goes, chief, I poured that coffee back in a pot. He goes, I'm not expecting that young man to know who I am, but I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. That's why he was so distraught. He didn't know how he's supposed to feel. Right. And I'm like a time bomb of tears. Okay. You know, I cried watching the little mermaid and stuff like that. All right. I'm, I'm like, and I'm, I'm like, God, this is my fault. He goes, no, I said, no, I'm the fire chief. When I was the assistant chief, he used to stop somewhere around here, but I'm the fire chief, and I'm going to fix this shit. So he leaves. I get Tim and Daryl come back to assistant chiefs. And from that point on, uh, when the rookies were on days when they first get hired on weeks, you know, three weeks, that that they're, every three days they take an exam. And what got after their exam was the retirees' names and ranks. So what he, what used to happen was on our our active member board, if you retired, we slid your picture off of the board and we stuck it in a drawer. Not anymore. Nice. Okay. <laughs> we did was we put a board opposite that, lit them both up, and we 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 take your picture off this one. Hang on a second. Take your picture on the active one and put it over to the retiree one. <clears throat> in the middle, we put a plaque with this poem, and the poem is titled "Remember Me, I Haven't Forgotten You." No, I haven't forgotten the riding on a fire rig, lights flashing, siren wailing, nor the feeling of a good save, whether it be a human life or the value possession of a fellow citizen. I have forgot the feeling of standing ankle deep in boiling water on a 105 degree June afternoon, steam rising out of my turnouts, fighting a fire no was caused by carelessness or worse. I have forgotten the terror of being lost in a smoke-filled building, feeling the increased heat of fire working its way through my turnout gear, or the taste of a hot cup of coffee and cold meatloaf sandwich at four in the morning. Now I walk into my old station, I only to find it filled with strangers. I may not walk as fast or stand as straight as you. My hair may be grain thin and my jokes don't come as easy as they once did. But I know in my heart that I paid the price and have earned the right to say proudly, I am a retired firefighter. And that day I read that and I saw the emotions in, in, that, in that fire. I'm like, golly, man, someone let him walk out without recognizing him. And I'll, I'll be damned if I'll ever let that happen again. You know, I tell the rookies, the probies, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. Pay your retirees and your former members the respect and the honor they deserve. You'll be there one day, and God forbid you walk into your firehouse and some kid comes up and says, can I help you, sir? Are you lost? It'll break your heart, man. So we need to do more like what you did to recognize and honor those that put in their time, I don't care if it's 20, 25, 30, 40 years, 50, it doesn't matter, before they walk away. And I, I just, I love that saying. I love that uh, that poem that came from my my surrogate godfather, Chief Alan Brunacini. And uh, I love it, man. I love it. I was going to ask you who was the author of the poem, but you answered. Well, and it, it, you know, I don't know if he wrote it. but Or he it was, found it. Okay. It was always author unknown, but he okay. sent that to me like, golly. Decades ago, that I mean, I truly mean decades ago. Um, it, it might even be hung in the Phoenix Fire Department Museum on the wall there or something, if I remember right. But it's an incredible message, you know, that, that you know, and I, I, 
like I said, every single pride and ownership class I teach, I read that when I when I get to the retiree section. Oh, no, that's powerful, man. That's- and and I'll, I'll tell you, if any of if any of your uh, your viewers want a copy of it, at the end they can email me, and I'll I send it out all the time. I'll send it to you, and you know, do what you want to do with it. Uh, put it. Well, I want a copy of it because I'm going to steal everything you just said <laughs> and make it part of the probationary firefighters. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I think that's so powerful. I'll send, man. You, I'll send you that poem. I'll send it. Okay. To, I'll send it to all your, all your, and your, I'll post it. I'll post it on Facebook and, or however anybody needs it that wants to get it, well, that I'll, wants I'll, to incorporate. Yes. I'll po- I'll send it to you and you can post it. Then come to your site and get, grab it. Beautiful. Beautiful. And I, don't get me wrong. I'll send them all at you. Uh, <laughs> are you ready for your first question from the audience? Sure. Bradley Feely is asking chief. You never know what you're going to get. So this hardball, soft tosses, you never know. But, Chief, in your opinion, which is more dangerous to an organization's health, bad slash poor leadership or the absence of leadership? I would say I, I would say the, the, the first half of that, the bad or poor leadership. And the reason I'm saying that is a well-run organization, a well-run team, uh, in the absence of the leaders, the leader could be on vacation, the leader could be at a conference, the leader could be doing anything runs like a finely oiled piece of machinery. It's all, our good friend, Chief Dennis, Dennis, you know, uh, Ruben says all the time, it's always about leadership and it's always about leadership, poor leadership, bad bosses kill more careers. You know, you've seen the saying, people don't leave most jobs because of the pay that they because of bad leadership. And that's very true. So I think, that, you know, when you've got poor leadership, I worked at one time for America's worst fire chief and it was a struggle every day to go in, um, I let him reach into my heart. We can talk about that later, how I fought that off and uh, stole my passion out of my heart for the job. Um, I'll never let that happen again. Um, but, um, it, you know, w- when you have to fight that fight, that cancer, that person that just doesn't get it, that bad boss, it just drags out. The absence of leadership, if we're talking about someone that, doesn't have it within them, maybe didn't have a good mentor, kind of fell in that position by accident. There's a lot of ways to look at that if that's what they're asking. That can that can present a challenge as well. But if you ask me to pick which one I think kills an organization more, kills the morale, kills that, I think it's the it's plain and simple, it's the poor leader, the bad no, boss. I can agree. I, I, I yeah. Because you can excuse i don't say excuse but if someone's put in a position where they don't have the skills you can excuse it because you're like you know there's circumstances well in the fire service carly i've seen great firefighters get handed a not so great boss and they've actually the greatest firefighters i've been around will help that boss rise up they'll Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll, you know we're always talking about the boss the leader's always mentoring the firefighters well sometimes it's the other way around right a lot of times a lot of times the great firefighters, first of all, the hardest working people in the fire service are the ones that help sometimes lift that, you know, it's all about connections. It's all about fit. It's all about um, personalities, kind of like a psychological thing, putting maybe someone who's maybe a weaker boss with a great crew, a great company, a great department. Later on, all of a sudden you see that person up here doing great things because they're working with, you know, maybe that senior firefighter to he or she is going you know, helping the you know helping the boss do the right things, but sometimes, you know, those firefighters end up helping build a build a boss up. No, absolutely, and it's kind of like uh, the the classic war movie, you know, uh, a trope of the the green officer, but the NCO, the grizzled sergeant, who who helps shape him into the leader that he oh, can be. When you've got the second lieutenants right out of college, God right. bless them. 
in the military, but you've got a sergeant sitting there, a corporal that's going, uh, Lieutenant, come here for a second. Um, that's not how it goes. <laughs> that's not you know? how it works. You know, and most of most of them are going to go. Just keep me from stepping into shit here. Just you right. know, you just if I'm about to walk down that path, help me make the right decision, kind of thing. You know, that kind of stuff. So. No, and the ones that can say that, the ones that can recognize that and say, hey, keep me from stepping in the shit. It's the ones that don't and say, hey, you don't know what you're talking about. Then the, then, then, the, then the guy hands off and says, okay, hey, you can walk through this minefield on your own. Egos and power kill more organizations and kill more careers. Egos and power, not a lack of experience, not a lack of education, not a lack, lack of talent, whatever. Egos and power kill. It just everything just runs over the waterfall and is gone. When and egos are running amok, when people are power hungry, those two things, couple them together, and that's like a gigantic F5 tornado blasting through town. Mm. I try not to talk whenever there's a good sound bite. You know, I just got to write down the timestamp. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't want to ruin the sound bite. Uh, the next one's coming from Jim Platt. Uh, he says, are you going to continue with the after hours at FDIC since Bobby is gone, he goes, I missed it last year. If you did. Um, I, the, our new boss, he's, he's our new boss, but he's not new. Chief David Rhodes uh, is an incredible, incredible person. I've known David. I can't remember not knowing David. I knew, I knew David before he was with FDIC. Um, he, he, he would have been prior to him taking over uh, the reins from Bobby. Got 25 years, handle logistics at FDIC, an author, uh, 32 years with Atlanta, uh, battalion chief when he retired, 20 years as a union president. So he's fought all kinds of fights for us. David is a great, 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 great boss. And mm. I was so glad, you know, when Bobby announced on our hump day hangout um, eight months earlier that he named David as his XO and they were in this transition period for him to bring David on board. And he was going to kind of, you know, head, head right, right, right out West for the, you know, right into the sunset. But no, I think uh, we talked, and um, I, I think we're going to uh, uh, we're, we're going to uh, postpone it for a little bit. Um, you know, that's you know the after hours, and, and I love doing them. That started as Bruno and Brennan unplugged in '96 at our first FDIC with Penwell. That when Penwell owned it, um, up in the fire engine hospitality room, right at dinner, Bruno and Brennan, Chief Tom Brennan, Chief Alan Bruce, sat down next to each other and started talking. And midnight, they were still talking, and people. The room was packed, and people didn't want to leave. And at our advisory board, we're like, "We need to put them on stage, and East versus West, and they'll be throwing chairs and all that shit." And, and they had so much respect for each other. And it, the Bruno and Brennan unplugged was incredible. Yeah. And then we lost Tommy. We lost Chief, you know, one of my mentors, Chief Tom Brennan, and um, uh, and then so so we they brought on another one of my mentors and very dear friends, Chief John Norman from the FDOI. So it was it was Chief Norman and Chief Brunacini, and then sadly we we lost Bruno and um you know we picked up and we, and we you know people kept wanting us to do something, and after hours uh, kind of became we took the issues and challenges that Bobby and John and I were doing during the day and we merged it all together, but I think that I think the the decision was to shelve it for right now, um and uh, we're trying some new things that we've got I can't mention them. Got some exciting things happening with the magazine. Love it. Oh, my God. And some exciting things happen with FDIC. Um, uh, like I said, I, I wish I could talk about it, but I can't. Right. Uh, we, we were all Just a teaser. Just a teaser. Yeah. We were all sporting in secrecy. We all cut our wrists and held them against each other. Right right and all that. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, no, there's, David's doing some great stuff. But I, we're going to shelve it for a while. 
No, I love it. I, I loved his speech uh, last year. Oh, my God. One he of the is, best. Uh, sorry, yes. Corey. He is, he is an aggressive firefighter. He's a smart, aggressive. He's, he's, he's another one of these guys I see. He's one of the smartest people I, I've, I've met. And I, and I love David dearly. And he, I'm just, God, I'm so excited he's the boss now. Yeah. No, it was, it was one of the most respectful. And, and I say this all the time. When he rubbed his face and said, look. And I was like, I got chills when I talk about it, man. It was, it was such an epic moment because it was one of the most respectful uh, homages. And at the same time, I'm not filling anybody's shoes, but I, I completely respect everything that's gone before me. You know, it was just a powerful moment. Well, and he, and he remembered Bill Manning before. Yes. Yes. Tom Brennan before Bill, then Bill, and then, and then Bobby. And he was just so, he's such a classy dude. Yes. You know, cause that was hard. I mean, you know, and we talked before going live. Um, Bobby was my one of my very dear friends, and I remember I met Bobby, Bobby Golly, in uh, the mid '90s, and he had just started fighting testicular cancer. Mm. And uh, we met at a baggers meeting in Phoenix that Chief Brunacini used to run. And um, I was just honored to sit in the same room with the, you. Talk about giants in that room. And I remember Bobby. Uh, uh, I told this story at his at his wake. Um, he had been suspended for arguing with a chief and uh, he was going to sleep in his car outside the hotel. I said, no, 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 no. So <laughs> I, I had a double room anyway. So he came and he, he spent the first night with me till Bruno got to take Bruno got to take, and we're in bed and it's like a, almost it's like a slumber party. We're talking tactics and he jumps out of bed and he's, and he's in his shorts and he's his t-shirt and he's talking about the vindicator now. And he's actually like, he's flowing water in the hotel room and stuff. And, and, um, you know, so we, we we taught this this a year ago in December, uh, and, and we were both in Hawaii teach for the Hawaii Fire Chiefs and for our friend Shane for the 50th State Fools. We right. Shane's uh, watching. We love you, buddy. Uh, another great group of fools. Shane Farina, he often checks in. Uh, I don't know if he's here tonight because the time difference. Sometimes he well, that is pretty yeah. close. His, his wedding anniversary was uh, the other day, so he yeah. might be, so he might be busy. <laughs> but uh, so we were there, you know, teaching. We were there for a bunch of days. I brought my son. Bobby came by himself, and you know, Bobby and I we don't drink. So we're, he's like, "Where are you? At? Okay, let's meet out. Let's sit here. Let's talk." And we would go to the chiefs' meetings, and my son would scout us. He'd recount a table off in the corner where we could shake hands, eat, and then escape out a side door before all the, the chiefs got shit faced and everything. And uh, good guys and gals. But um, uh, and it, it was one of the best. I told my wife it's one of the best visits I've had with Bobby I, that I can remember. We just had a time of our, our, our life. And when he walked in, when he first got there, we were, we were running late to go to a dinner. He just got it from the airport, and he goes, it's, it's, it's in my heart. The cancer's in my heart. I said, oh, bullshit. You know, you've been telling me this for like, you know, 30 years. And he showed me his shirt and he had a monitor sewn to him and it had a light on. I go, you're Iron Man. You're Iron Man. And he laughed and I laughed. And, but he, he, so he put his bags, Corley, in, my, in our room um, because he was going to take the red eye right before us. And um, we were talking, it was time for him to leave. Um, we just, we, we hugged and, and, and uh, you know, you would have thought we were a couple uh, because the hug didn't just last 30 seconds. It went on forever. And we're both huggers and, uh, I have no problem telling people I love them, especially my friends, because you don't know when you're going to be able to say to them again. And we did this whole, and I, I told, you know, I, I was able to tell him how much he meant to me. He said the same thing. And it was just an incredible moment. And then, um, you know, he, like I said, he put his bags in our room, took his shower there before he left and he flew home. And, you know, the next morning he's working out and passed away while he was working out doing what he loved. And I was home with his wife, his best friend, Marsha, 
Um, but uh, uh, Bobby did so much for FDIC and for David to pay the tribute the way he did. Mm-hmm. It's such, it's such classic, classy chief David Rhodes. Um, that that's, that's how David rolls. That's mm-hmm. how, that's how David rolls. He's a great guy. Love it, man. Hey, and you said something earlier. I mean, I wrote this down. Uh, you cannot tell enough stories on the scrap. I wanted to say that because you said, hey, if you mind if I tell a story. You cannot tell enough stories. 100%. So I just want, I want to encourage that every chance. I don't I want to get going. I've got there. I'm sitting no. there and one thing goes to another. I'm like, son of a, you know, so. No, 100%. You cannot tell enough stories and about Sam, the fire Sam service. your producers in the corner going, cut them no. off. Cut them off. <laughs> He's That's a negative. He's doing the hook thing. <laughs> no, no, he's not. 100%, brother. I love it. I love, and, and the audience loves it. I can tell uh, absolutely. Um, okay, throw it at you. This is a long one. This one comes from, I hope I get it right, Jer Schlacks. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name right or not, but here it comes. Chief, in my department, members receiving promotions, completing probation, and or retiring are severely lacking the recognition that they deserve for everything they did. Most times promotions and passing probation is an email notification from the chief and the battalion chief. Uh, How are some ways to start planting the seed of change and starting a proper celebration if upper management won't do it? Well, that's the hard part when you're, when you're fighting, if you will, city hall, you know, or headquarters, if you will, for the fire service side. Um, You know me, I'm the ceremonies guy. I've got ceremonies for everything because I believe in the tradition of the fire service. And I love the tradition, not of getting firefighters hurt doing stupid stuff, but I love the tradition of celebrating the lives of those who have dedicated their life to one of selflessness. But um, it's hard if you don't have the cooperation from uh, your administration. I remember when I got promoted to battalion commander, one of my mentors, Chief Tom Freeman, asked my chief at the time, he goes, you going to have a cake? He goes, what? He goes, you can have a cake. He's like, why would I, why would I do that? You know, and, and, and when my buddy Steve Rivera was the chief in Dallas, you know, 59 stations, a couple thousand guys, he, he was able to make it around for promotions. And I say this, New York City has 11,000, New York City, the FDNY has 11,500 guys on the suppression side. They have like 5,000 EMS, 1,800 civilian, 250 and all their dispatch, you know, the, the, the system. And they still do formal, you know, higher, you know, formal swearing ins of firefighters, formal promotions, lieutenants and captains and all that stuff. You know, if, if the big departments can do it, the little ones can do it. Right. And I always talk about, I always refer to it as a big ass cake because we're from Texas. But, you know, how, how, how expensive is a cake? And, and I'll give you an example. I sit in my office and Tim Tittle, I, I missed Tim dearly. Tim was my number two chief for 12 years and he defines loyalty, which means everything to me. We're sitting in the office and one of our, Soon to be promoted captains knocks on the door. He says, Do you have a second boss? I said, Yeah. He goes, Do you know do you know what day next month you're gonna do the swearing in ceremony? Because he was getting promoted with a couple other guys. I said, No, I don't know. I go, why? He goes, Well, I'm flying my I'm flying some family in from Florida. And I and I and I told my sister Steve, I said, I'll have that date for you by the end of the day. And I he left. I looked at Tim, I said, Tell me that 20 minute ceremony isn't important. Right. You know, and I always say this if you want a firefighter to start off on the right stuff, make it, make him or her put their hand up, make them put their hand up and, and take an oath and swear to do their job to the best of their ability, you know, and, and to uphold the constitution of the United States and the state you know, of Texas laws and the policy and procedures. So help me God, make them put their hand up and take an oath because there's a difference between oath takers and service providers, no disrespect, but when any job where you have to put your hand up and take an oath, 
There's something special and there's a there's a method of importance that's fastened to it. And then for the promotions, if you're not going to do a swearing in for a promotion, make it put their hand up. Because now you're talking about someone who's going to be leading firefighters. And we do a collar pinning because everybody calls them. Not everybody. They call them bugles. They're not bugles. bugles. I know. They're you taught bugles. me this. You taught me this. I know. I have There's to hang my head in shame. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. After we they swear you in and do the batch pinning, we do a, a collar pinning. And there's four, two on your shirt, two on your class A, but, you know, and, and, and husbands have pinned their wives. Wives have pinned their husbands, mentors, brothers, sisters, moms, dads, families. Some guys get on their kids do it. If you want to take the promotion seriously, then add a little bit of seriousness to it. And how about a little ceremony? How about some recognition? How about doing something nice and not just running through the motions? You know, I, I just... You know, I'm so passionately about the ceremonies we do because of what it sets up. Some people play it down. Some people go, oh, it's corny. Some people go, it's nonsense. You know what? I disagree with them. I disagree 100% with you. It's as important as to have a retirement ceremony. It's just as important to make a brand new volunteer or career firefighter. I do both. I'm a I'm a lieutenant and a train officer for my, my chief, Ryan Fetzer, from the Wichita West Volunteer Fire Department right here. Very active with them. To put your hand up when you vote someone in, you know, and if you, even if you don't do an oath, it's a big deal. My volunteer fire department, you get voted on, it's a big deal. That's when you get your T-shirts. That's when you get your stuff. That's that's like, oh, man, here it is. I'm really, I'm really, I'm one now. You know what I'm saying? Right. Those of us who are Masons and belong to a Masonic Lodge know the process it takes to become a Mason and then the processes within it, within the different levels. So, yeah, you know what, but I don't know, you know, the people have asked that hundreds of times, Corley, about, but what if my chief doesn't, you know, you right. can't really, you know what you can't do, you can't hold your own ceremony because that'll piss the boss off. But what you can do as a group, as a crew, as a firehouse is invite their families. You can have cake, you can have coffee, you can decorate a cake, you can you can chip in and buy them their a front piece or something or whatever. If If your boss... Yeah, I don't want to call him that way. If your boss, <laughs> I guess I just did, didn't I? Yeah. If your boss can't see the importance of recognizing your people for all these different things, then you need to do it for your people. That's like when somebody says, well, what if I, you know, I, I'm a young guy and, and my captain or my lieutenant doesn't want to train. Okay. Does anybody, well, it's me and it's me and Cynthia. Well, then you know what you and Cynthia do? You go on the floor and you train and let lazy ass sit in a recliner and do what the hell they're doing, all that stuff, you know, but no, you know what? If you can't get the boss to do it, then figure out a way to make it special. I know some guys, the, the union or the volunteer firefighter association, they do something away from the firehouse because they have a boss that won't let them, you know, doesn't believe in that stuff. So they go, they get a hall, they go to dinner and get a back room and they invite everybody, their families and there's drinks and food and it's paid for. And you and your family show up and, and they celebrate, they celebrate you or maybe three or four, if you're being promoted all at once. Or hired all at once. It, I think we're in control. People think we're not. I think we're in control. Love if it. you want to recognize people, you can. Even with even with a boss that's not into the job. Love it. Dude, if you get nothing else out of this amazing scrap so far, that right there, right there. <laughs> I'm sorry. I get, fired, I get fired up about a couple things. <laughs> yes. Dude, I, I, <laughs> so glad. Uh, can you they, ask a question, Corley? Can no. you love can you love the fire service too much? I don't think so. I, I think there's I think there's mis I think there's misplaced passion sometimes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You know, don't confuse it with that. But good God Almighty, I, I, you know, the little boys and girls want to be you. 
Yes. Little boys and girls want to be firefighters. They, you know, no disrespect. You know, if you go to Toys R Us, which are, they're back now, there's a whole aisle full of toys dedicated to the firefighters. Yes. There's not, no disrespect, but there's not a whole aisle full of FedEx and UPS trucks. And I go, hey, Sam, hey, Corley, you be FedEx, I'll be UPS. Let's go deliver packages. Right. No. They want to play firefighter. There's a reason why little kids look up to you. There's a reason why seniors love you. You know, I don't think you can love being a firefighter too much. If you, if you think, you know what, if you think you can't, then maybe you aren't loving it enough. Love there it. you go. I love it. No, and 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 the thing I always tell people is when people see us, you know, you, you pull up at a red light and you're in the fire truck. You know, you used to ride on the doghouse, you know, doghouse and, and looking, out, <laughs> looking out the cab. And, and, and everybody would look up there and they all think the same thing in my head. In my head, oh, they all think. Little God, kids are plastered yeah. to the window yeah. of the cart, like Garfield the cat. For you yeah. young guys, it's an old cartoon. Garfield likes lasagna. But I'm just saying, you know, <laughs> you, you know, it's, yes, the, you know, when we used to ride the tailboard, then we moved to the jump seat. Moved, they pointed two things. Kids pointed two things. They pointed the damn ice cream truck, and they pointed the fire engine. Fire truck. Yes, it's you know. the greatest thing on earth, man. I love it. Uh, more, more coming at you, Chief. Jake Deal wants to know, Chief, in your opinion, what is one of the most important traits a fire chief should have, and how do they obtain the, the, the? I love it, but then he says, "How do you obtain that trait?" Which you know is a whole other ball of well, wax. But I, I think I think this is one that people are controlled. People, and not the the person asked the question. By no means, well, I'm talking about there are people in the fire service that like to make things that we do a lot more complicated than they are. You know, I, I you know Chief Alan Brunacini said it years ago about. When it came to customer service, he just said, just be nice. And then he brought it into the firehouse. Just be nice. It's pretty simple. Be nice. You know, uphold uphold the honor that, that you should have of serving and the privilege of being a firefighter. But some people like to make they, – they, they like to muddy up the waters a little bit too much. And so, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the bosses that are out there um, – if there's one trait that I think would make anybody, let me I'll say any, a firefighter, a, a, a company officer, a chief officer or a chief <clears throat> is passion. You know what? When you love, and, and, and when you talk about loving what you do, people that don't love what they do suck at what they do. I won't even give you very good. You suck. If you don't love what you do, you suck at it. Sorry. You know, you're, 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 the, you're the one that works in the firehouse that wears the company logo t-shirt says we suck less. That's about you. Okay. You know, you, it's like that old AT&T commercial. It's not that old with the guys in the hospital bed. I say this yes. in class a lot. Yes. And the nurse is taking his blood pressure. His wife and two kids are sitting there. And then and the, the, the wife asks the nurse, so how is Dr. Jones? And she goes, huh, he's okay. And the guy right. sits up and goes, just okay? And what do you hear from the hallway from the doctor? Guess who just got reinstated? <laughs> and, and he walks in. He goes, oh, sort of. You know, are you nervous? Yeah, me too. Don't worry. We worry about it. We'll figure out we'll get in it. That's who you want operating on you? People who are passionate, passion drives success. Another article I submitted, passion drives success. People that love what they do are just better at it, so whether it's school teachers, cops, firefighters, whatever you do. And bosses, chiefs that love what they do, they love their fire department, they love their people. Yes, I said that. Look, it's not easy to love people that don't like you. It's not easy to love a firefighter or two out of a whole bunch that are jamming you all the time. You know what I'm saying? <clears throat> you know, so there's different, there's different ways you love your children. You know what I'm saying? But in the end, if you believe in what it means to be a firefighter, you can put that aside and you take care of your people and passion drives success. Passion will drive what kind of a leader you are. Passion will drive 
what you do in your own career, education-wise, um, uh, experience-wise, um, knowledge-wise, skills-based-wise. People that just go through the motions suck. I'm just going to say it. They they just they meet expectations, and that's where they're at. So I think passion can take any boss to great levels because that's the energy, that's the juice you need to make things happen. I love it, man. Jake, thank you for a great question because any question that gets him fired up, man, I love it because <laughs> it's powerful. Okay, I'll be a lot more calmer now. Yes. I don't think that's in your DNA, Chief. <laughs> Sam, Sam's going, no, no, no. <laughs> no more. No more. Uh, John Velez Jr. says, Chief, I know you've had this question before, but the people that need to hear your message the most are not present tonight. How can we spread the message and bring people up to speed with everything, pride and ownership and leadership? Very doing, broad question, but go by ahead. By doing what we're doing right now. By doing what we're doing right now. So my buddy John Salka did an article on something that we both would bring up in our classes because this happens in our programs all the time. Someone will come up halfway through the program and go, Chief, God, this is a great pro." No matter what it is, Company Officer Academy, Battalion Chiefs Academy, whatever. They'll go, this is, this is great, you know, but I got to tell you, boss, I got to tell you. The right people aren't here, man. There's guys in my department that should be hearing this shit. The right, I'm telling you, the right people aren't here. And you know what? I, I My answer is I said, with all due respect, I love you. But I, I, we're going to have to agree to disagree because the right people are here. Yes, You're here. The people that are watching this show now or later on when it's recorded, they're the ones who get it. Well, And I, I would love to talk, make a note, I'd love to talk about it later on, about the history of the fire service. And we could cover okay. that in just a few minutes. Those who get it, okay, and 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 you know one of the best phrases, the best bits of advice I got from a good friend of mine, Tommy Shervino, years ago, and I love Tommy, um, was you know Ricky, you worry about the things you can fix, not the things you can't. And we waste more positive energy on stuff we have no control over. We have no control over, and we and we and we. So we're we're doing one of our shows with Chief Al Brunacini, three hours long back then. Still the most listened to podcast, you know, and we had a fireengineering.com. And, you know, when, when you've got the, like Sam's got it, you know, going and, and you said, Kyle, you know, when you've got the, when you've got the dashboard in front of you, you could do all the sound effects and blah, and you can see who's in the queue, who's calling. And I see this phone number pop in there and I go, oh shit, I know who this is. Uh, oh man. You know, if I leave in there long enough, maybe he'll just hang up. He'll disconnect, you know? And I'm, I'm like, and he's not going away. This guy's like Starbucks up. He's like sitting there. And then my buddy John Salka goes, so Rick, do we have anybody on the line that wants to talk to us? And I'm like, you bastard. So I, I go, yeah, who's calling? I'll make up an area code. Who's calling from the 914 area code? Hey, Chief Lasky, Chief Sachi Brasini, it's uh, so-and-so. I'm like, how you guys doing? Say, hey, how you doing? All this. Yeah, like, look, I got a question for you. I mean, any of three, you know, maybe cheap room to see, but any three you can help me out. So so I'm a lieutenant on B-shift, and my buddy lieutenant C-shift. And all right, we got a guy, lieutenant, he's on A-shift. Now, he's a good guy, but, man, he's just not carrying – he's not carrying his way. He's not – we've tried to coach him up a little bit. and we've Now, I'm texting. I'm texting John Salka. I'm texting going – and I'm going, oh, please, Mark, shut up. Please shut up. Please shut up. Please shut up. I go, he doesn't, please. I'm like, I know what's coming. Please shut up. And he's going, he's going down this long path of, and then we took him even to breakfast and we're trying to help him and his guys. And, you know, we're doing everything we can. We're, like I said, we're trying to coach him up. And I'm like, God, please shut up. And he goes to this long thing. And he, and I'm giving you like the short version. And he right. finds says, oh, Chief Brunacini, any advice that, 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 that you'd have for me? And forgive me for my language, but Bruno, and Bruno goes, 
what shift are you on? He says, B shift. He goes, what shift is he on? He goes, A shift. He goes, worry about your own goddamn shift. Right on. And I texted the John Salka, boom. And I went, there you go. So sometimes we just get caught up worrying about stuff. I, I used to. about I could, I could never wrap my arms around the fact of people that didn't love the job as much as I did. Right. That they didn't love the guy. How do you not love this job? We're not going to get everybody. You know what I'm saying? But the people that are watching this show, when you get back to the fires, you're at the firehouse now, when you're at the kitchen table, you start talking shop, eventually, you know, that positive circle of influence is going to suck them off the fence or it's going to be the old Bob Euchre day. Sure looks like they're having a good time in there and they're going to be over there because tick, 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 every day that goes by is one day less you're going to have in the firehouse. And one day you're going to leave and you're going to think about all the people you tried to change or involve that you did. Lead with passion, as my buddy Eddie at Buchanan would say. Lead with vigor. Lead with, with that, like I said, that energy, that love for the job. And you'll suck more people into our camp. But it's impossible to go out and think you're actually going. There's doctors can't do it. Change people. But what you can do, like I said, the right people are here. They're listening to this show. Right on. Be the right person. Go back. Lead by example. There's young guys and gals. There's young women and men that are looking. They're just begging and looking for a mentor, for a role model. Be that role model for them. I love that message, Chief. I love it. The people that need to hear the message are the ones listening right now. Man, I absolutely love it. Movers Uh, and shakers, man. I got a question coming at you from Kyle Romagus, and he said, Chief, I was fortunate enough to attend the Honor Guard Symposium in Louisville many years ago. It was one of the best and most memorable experiences of my career. How did this symposium come to be? Well, he's talking about keeping tradition alive in Louisville, Texas, and uh, I think it's the 20, 25th year yet come up. Last year, they let it let another department handle it. Uh, they got a little tired, but um, actually, it's kind of a cool story. Um you know, I, I I had great bosses there. Claude King was my city manager, and one of my my assistant city managers, three of them that I had a direct report to, Donna Barron, was incredible. And um, I was always begging for stuff. I was always, you know, I mean, we were, golly, they're they're so spoiled there. We get we, they get everything they want. It's a great fire department. There's great men and women working in Louisville. Great bosses. My one of my best friends, Chief Terry McGrath, the assistant chief. So I'm like, God, we need an honor guard here. You know, and, and and we need a pipes and drums band. So I went to my boss, Donna Bear, and I said, hey, I'm tired of borrowing other people's honor guards for our ceremonies. Can we put something together? She goes, yeah, send me the budget. So I, I sent a budget. She goes, okay, go ahead and do it. Went, now I have to ask people. So anyway, <laughs> so the guy stepped up. Well, then I told her, I said, we, we, need, we need a pipe and drum band. We need bagpipes and drums and all this. And I'm thinking there ain't, there ain't a chance in hell she's going to say yes. Even as great a boss as she was and as great right. a boss as Claude King was, and I had a great mayor and council, um, and I, I go, there's no way. She goes, all right, how much do you need? I went, and I panicked, Corley. I went, I went um, um, $56,000 for the first year. She goes, okay, you got it. I went, now, I have to hurry up and ask people because I, I I didn't even know. I just took a guess, $56,000. Right. I, I don't know. I mean, just – and so the city, for the first three guys that stepped up, all right, to, to, to that some of them, like Gary Apple, never played one of my favorite dudes in the world, retired captain. I'll never played a musical instrument, never read a note, a musical note. They paid them to take their lessons. They paid for everything, their uniforms, their bagpipes, and guys with drums. The city of Louisville paid for it all. And then I had Damien, who was the, the pipe major, I had him come to FDIC. So he got to do opening ceremonies. So I, we, we introduced, you know, introduced a bunch of other bagpipers. So after month after FDIC, 
he signs out the band shell in Louisville, and he's got a couple guys from Corpus Christi, a couple other guys there. There's probably five or six of them, and they're playing. And I went there, and I went, oh, this is cool in the morning. This is so cool. And I told my boss, Donna, again, she goes, hey, go buy them their lunch. Go go buy them their I said, okay. She, so I, I bought, you know, we went and bought their lunch, and then she, I said, do you guys want to do this, like, every year like this? They said, yeah. I said, okay. So I said, Damien, come with me tomorrow. We're going to go to Donna's office. And let's just talk to her about how we can do this band shell thing every year. Just bring a few pipers in. Two hours later, he go. We walk out. He goes, "What the hell just happened?" I go, "You just saw the magic touch of Claw King and Donna Baron. We just got sixty five thousand dollars seed money. We got our convention center. We got this. We got buses. We have Miller Light. We have a contract of Miller Light for the attendees. We've got food vendors. We have this. We have that. We have it." That he, everybody was brought in from our from our, our our visitors bureau to everything. I go, there you go, and we put KTA keeping. Tr- if you if, go to YouTube and and for for your viewers and type in Louisville K, KTA keeping Trish alive, largest mass band. We had Jim Kilpatrick, the 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 Queen now the King's drummer. Jim Kilpatrick, the highest rated snare drummer in the world, nice. highest rated snare drummer in the world. Nobody higher. Tyler Fry, one of the highest tenor drummers in the world, the highest bass drummer. Um, uh, Don Shannon, the, the the pipe major from from the North Texas Caledonians, who plays for presidents. Incredible instructors. We had right. a limit of three hundred and seventy five students. We spent sixty five thousand C money, about another thirty thousand. We spent thirty two thousand on food. Miller Miller Beer supplied all this, the attendees with their beer because Miller loves firefighters, but. That being said, I, love it. I don't know anybody from Miller. I'm just saying that shit. Um, but anyway, that that's how KTA started. And Doug Swartz from from the National uh, Honor Guard Academy, my good brother Doug, um, that they do the best academy in the country. He he came with his staff. So the Honor Guard, brand new, brand you can be brand new. You can you you just I've never done this before. They did everything with you. And the next wow. day, they simulated a line of duty death, you know, scenario funeral. You, they call you to attention, and we got the funeral home. We got a hearse. We got the cemetery. We got everything they needed. We had vendors. The only way you could be a vendor there is if you sold stuff that was pertinent to the pipes and drums and honor guard, and you had to give them a, t- a minimum of 10% discount because most of these guys pay for themselves or their unions pay for it. Right. Uh, thank God for the unions. Um, that being said, that was the beginning of it, and we saw bands spread all across the country. Texas has – hundreds of, of honor guards and pipes and drums bands. It's so cool to see that you go place. You hear so many people go, I was at KTA. I was at KTA. Um, so thanks. Thanks. Thanks uh, for bringing that up. That, that it's very special place in my heart. Keeping tradition alive. The ripples from that 50, $56,000, the ripples. Uh, I, I panicked. <laughs> I, I'm like, Oh my God, I gotta go. I don't even know if anybody wants to play. Right. I have to go back and say, I don't need the money because nobody wants to go, <laughs> whatever. Because those things are they're freaking hard. You're not yeah. playing a clarinet. You're 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 blowing air into a bag that you're squeezing with your arm and you're you're doing things with your fingers and shit and stuff. And holy cow. I mean, you know, I'm I'm I'm, yes. I'm lucky I'm able to do this with my hands I'm Italian and Polish, which means I just have a real bad temper. I forget what I'm mad at, but I'm just, you know, can you imagine <laughs> that that's you know. Anyway, I love that, it. I love KTA, it, baby. Two things I want to bring up, which one is you, both of them you said I want to talk about later. First one is stealing your passion, allowing people to reach in and steal your passion. I want to touch on that and also the past because I know how much history 
means to you. I mean, I'm looking at the just just the. Uh, yeah, and you can't see everything. I've got yes. stuff with Ben's. Oh, believe me. We'll have, to, we'll have to do a live on location in Rick Lasky's room and just talk about <laughs> it. Yeah. All right. Well, so so the passion, um, you know, I, I grew up in a firehouse with my old man. It's all I ever want to be. I was, you know, I was a, a police, a fire explorer through. I had a cop save me. Um, I was on, when my brother died, I was on the path to go to prison when I was 13, 14 years old. And I had a dispatcher, Joni Lontella, rookie cop, Frank Sinicki, I don't think he's a scumbag, as you call me. I think he's a good kid. He just needs someone strong. Like, because my dad, when my brother died, he went his way for a little bit, and you know, ended up with a drinking problem, and so on. he got rid of that all later on. And uh, Frank Sinicki, I remember him bringing me into the firehouse. I'm sorry, back up into the police station in handcuffs. I'm 14 years old, and um, I got arrested again. And he took the handcuffs and threw them on a the table, and. Teron said, Lasky, the only way I'm keeping you from going to jail is by making you a police cadet. I said, I, I don't think so. I'm going to be a firefighter. I ain't going to be a guy. He goes, no, how do you understand? We got this new this new, this new, new thing with the Boy Scouts of America called the Explorers. We're, we're starting Monday night, 6 p.m. You'll be on your uniform sizes. I said, I don't think you understand. I'm not going to be a cop. I'm going to be a firefighter like my dad. He goes, I don't think you understand. You don't do this. You go to the Audi home. And the Audi home in Chicago is like Cook County Jail for kids. And I'm like, okay, okay. So, okay, I'll see you at 6 o'clock Monday. Here are my uniform sizes. And except for like a fight or two, I never got in trouble again. But I fell in love early with this job. I watched my dad make rescues. I just, you know, I felt I, I was a cop for a while. Um, you know, you have to be 21 to be a career firefighter police officer in Illinois. So I was a volunteer, volunteer part-time firefighter. In between spring trainings with the Chicago White Sox, I went to paramedic school at the police academy. I got hired as a cop. I always joke, I wasn't very good at cop. My first year as a cop, I got shot, stabbed, and burned, so I kind of sucked to be a cop. But <laughs> I've always loved being a firefighter. And and I, there were times in my career I let certain people, and at this one time I let a bad boss steal my passion. And I had a mentor go, you know, Rick, you're, you're, you're kind of a big guy. You play football, you wrestle, you play baseball. Um, you're the softball Hall of Fame. You know, you play softball, major-level softball. I never took it for a weakling. I go, that's because I'm not a weakling. He goes, yeah, you are. I said, no, I'm not. He goes, yeah, you are. I said, you better explain. He says, I've never seen a firefighter let somebody break in their Ford F-1000 pickup truck, park behind the house, or break in their home where their husband or wife were at home with their kids. You wouldn't would let that bad guy arrested, prosecuted, and thrown in jail. But you'll let some mutt reach into your heart and steal your passion for what you love to do. He goes, shame on you. That's being weak. And he was right. Yeah. I let a mutt reach into my heart. And I've asked people have come up to me saying they don't have that fire in their belly anymore. I said, why? Because it, I go, because of him or her or that, them, you're letting, this is the coolest thing in the world. And you let somebody steal out of your chest, your passion for this job. That's me. I'll never let, I look, I'll have my moment. I may get pissed off for a second, you know, and go, okay, okay. Reel it in, Rick. You're letting them win again, you know, but I'll never let someone reach into my heart and steal my passion again. So that, that's the one you don't ever let me reach in your heart, steal your passion, especially for the coolest job in the world. Again, bouncer <laughs> career, same thing. One gets paid, one doesn't. That's it. So that being said, the it part of it, the 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 pa- the, the history part of it, um, I've been on a mission for God thirty something years, forty years, to get people, Corley, to to recognize what it is in the fire. I always tell people there's what it is in the fire service. There there are guys and gals with forty years and forty days in the fire service. Don't know why we're here. Right. They don't know why we exist. They have no idea where the Maltese Cross came from. And I always ask this in class. I always ask this in class, you know, the question is, um, um, you know, oh, man. Okay, the structure fire. I'm missing a structure fire. Anyway. Oh. 
anyway, crap. Oh, yeah, that's twice. Yeah, I missed yeah. a, I missed a pin in and I got so anyway. Um, uh, you know, so so the the Maltese Cross. I ask people all the time. So who was it? Everybody goes, well, Chief Lance is in your Pride and Hardship book. You know, it was the Knights of Saint John fighting the Saracens on the Island of Malta. And I go during the Holy Wars, and I go, I know the whole Dungeons and Dragons story too, but who was the first agency in North America? And they look at me, and I go. Unless they've been through my history class, I do. A, I'm a fire service historian. I have a class called Our History. This should be day one in the fire academy. If we teach them anything else, tell them why we're here, what it is. I go, I'll give you a hint. There's still today the, the largest combination of volunteer career city in the world. Right on. And they go, and I go, what is it? They go, I go, well, it's New York City. New York City right now still has nine volunteer fire companies. Nine. And they're not part of the, every borough but, 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 but Manhattan. And they're not part of the FDY because they've been there longer. And, and and so back in the mid-1800s, when they went from the New York Volunteer Fire Department, they wanted to go career, a, there was like a state mandate that re, wouldn't allow them to change to the FDNY, Fire Department of New York. So they changed to the Metropolitan Fire Department. For a bunch of years, they were the MFD. And a lot of the Metropolitans were volleys that came over with career guys like you see today. And the MFD, the Metropolitans, are the first ones to use a Maltese cross. I have a picture of it. The very first Maltese cross used for the fire service. Um so I talk about that. There, there are firefighters that don't know. There are officers that, that call these bugles. Right. They're not bugles. They're speaking horns or trumpets. There are firefighters that uh, have no idea why red, the color red on a lot of our apparatus, a lot of our insignia stands for courage and valor. There are firefighters that don't know why October is always fire prevention month, why the week of October 8th is always fire prevention week. And 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 they'll go, well, Mrs. O'Leary's cow. And I go, well, there's a lie right there. October 8th, 1871 is the anniversary of the Great Chicago Fire. 300 people were killed, 17,500 buildings, but the cow didn't do it. That's a lie. It was fabricated. It was a story conjured up by Chicago Tribune reporter. In fact, later on, they exonerated Kate O'Leary and the cow. It's a lie. But what's more tragic about that day, there was another fire that same day, not not 10 years later on the day, that same exact moment in time. They didn't kill just 300 people, killed over, over 2,000. And nobody knows where it's at. If you if you go to Google and you type in the Forgotten Fire, what'll probably pop up is Pestigo, Wisconsin, right near Green Bay. Two thousand people got killed, and we don't talk about it. You know, so I, I lead down that path and I tell Corley everything we do. The reason you and I are doing this show, the reason we love the fire service like we do, the reason we want to make a difference in people's lives is because bad stuff has and continues to happen to people. And and there's something called there's a book called The Tipping Point out there and how UPS started from pulling carts to deliver packs with drones and all that stuff, how they stayed in business. And the tipping point for us has always been certain tragedies that have changed how we do things in a fire service. One is I always ask, I always ask the question, so why do we do fire drills in elementary schools, especially in October? Lots of school disasters, Collinwoods, Ohio, I think 170 fatalities, lots of school, but there was one tipping point in particular it was the Our Lady Angels Our Lady Catholic Angels. School Fire, Chicago, December 1st, 1958. 95 fatalities, 92 children, three nuns. So the next time a young firefighter complained about having to stand there and deal with the brats at these fire drills of schools, bring him or her back and show him the memorial page, all the dead kids, and go, the only reason we do fire drills in schools is because the Our Lady Angels Catholic School Fire, because 92 kids and three nuns are dead. And then I asked the question, why do we uh, – why do we have uh, codes in theaters? Well, the Iroquois Theater Fire Chicago, over 600 fatalities. The Brooklyn Theater, hundreds of fatalities in New York. The Rhodes Opera House in Boytown, Pennsylvania. Why do we have codes in place of public assembly, like social clubs? Coconut Grove with 400, I think 492 
fatalities, the Beverly Hills Supper Club, Happy Land, the Bronx. Why do we have codes and businesses regarding barred and chained doors and blocked exits? The Triangle Shirtwaist Factory for all the little girls had to jump to their death. I asked the question, Corley, why do we have codes in hotels? Lots of hotel fires. The catalyst for the big change? The, the Weinkauf Hotel Fire downtown Atlanta. Why do we have codes in hospitals? Cleveland Clinic Fire. The x-ray film burnt up, created cyanide, killed patients. They had two explosions from the cyanide gas that killed people. Why do we have codes in prisons? The Ohio State Penitentiary uh, Fire, 320 fatalities. I, 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 why do we have codes in nursing homes? The Katie J Memorial Nursing Home in Missouri. All those nursing home patients burned to death, died, burned, you know, to death. That week, the governor of Missouri changed the laws regarding um, regarding uh, nursing homes. The rest of the industry follows suit. And I always talk about just, you know, just for trivia's sake, what's the largest loss of life in New York City due to fire before 9-11? And I'll give you a hint. It was in a building. It was on a boat, a paddle boat, a pleasure boat on the East River called the General Slocum. General Slocum, on a Sunday afternoon, on the way to a church picnic, a church outing, caught fire, resulting in 1,020 fatalities, mostly children. That's why the riverboats have the codes. That's why the Titanic brought light boat drills. Everything we do in the fire service, because bad stuff has continues to happen to people. And the last one, Corley, that year, and I asked probies and rookies, everybody knows, what do they put in natural and propane gas as the odorant? Because it's natural, you know, state, it's odorless. And everybody yells out, Mercaptor. Mercaptor, and they're going to make it smell. No, that's not the reason. Somebody going to go, you know, we need to put this stuff in there and make it smell. They didn't do that. It, March 18, 1937, it was called Green Gas. In New London, Texas, East Texas, only middle school, brand new middle school. All right, They had a, a, a leak of the odorless gas, green gas they called then. At 3.23, I believe, in the afternoon, a worker started a belt sander up and blew the school to smithereens, killed 325 little kids and their teachers. And two weeks later, a Texas legislator passed a law saying to put her captain in natural propane gas and the rest of the industry follows suit. So when you go on a gas leak call today and you're bitching about because it's the bullshit gas leak call, anywhere in the world right now, they go to an odor of gas calls because of New London, Texas, and the tragedy that occurred there. When we don't share the it factor, what it is, why we do what we do, what, what is it, like voodoo or magic? Are the new firefighters just – is that right. Uh, right. You know, We've got to spend the time explaining. That's why I do the program called Our History. This should be day one of the fire academy. Tell them from the beginning. Where, and I do a – I gave you the uh, – abridged the snippet of where I start in Jamestown, our first unofficial building codes, and all the way up to today in every event, from wood water mains to, to water towers to this and gear and nozzles and gnomics and everything that's molded us. That's the if factor, brother. And if we if we spend time with our young firefighters, that stuff gets better. Boom, dude. Uh, yes, uh, love it, <laughs> Chief. Uh, I absolutely love it, man. I no, I, I love no, your passion. No, no, I'm gonna like say, you know, I hate just nothing showing, but I'm sure they said nothing showing. We're out with a one story single family dwelling. Nothing showing on four sides will be investigated. They didn't say just nothing showing. I know that because they're too good to do that. But anyway, we're nothing showing at the fire. So I'm back. I'm good. Okay, they said nothing. <laughs> Someone said, hey, tell him to grab his cell phone. We'll, the scrap will go live on Look scene. at Sam. Sam. Sam's laughing at his ass. He's, he's, I mean, <laughs> he's like, this crazy. Who You've had crazy people on the show, but who you've got this crazy son of a, you know, anyway. No, this is awesome, man. I, I, you can't. What uh, else? You have, you have some more? Oh, I, brother, I, I have as long as they're still coming in. Um, <clears throat> You want a long one or a short one? I'll Did give you. It, 
You pick it, brother. John Eric Johnson coming out of Texas, coming at you. Uh, he says, question, Chief, what is your recommendation of how to maintain the motivation and good morale of the crew members in a fire department who also operates the ambulance service, fire-based EMS? The EMS service has been saturated with an increase in call volume, but a reduction in paramedics that are applying. Man, that's a tough one. I bet, well, there are fewer paramedics applying, and, and I've never seen the fire service where it's at today where we're actually doing signing bonuses. Uh, you know, yeah. in the Metroplex in Texas, like great $10,000 for a firefighter <laughs> paramedic to get higher there. It's ten and 15000 like Sacramento did a pretty cool thing a couple of years ago. They, you know, they posted a post. At first, they said it's aggressive fire department, forty ninety six, USAR team, all the different stuff, because you can't just wait for them to show up. Now you've got to be aggressive with how you recruit your people. You've got to be creative. You've got to go to all the different social media, you know, platforms and so on and so forth. Now I'm, I, I don't know how this is going to go over, but I'm one of the geeks that loves EMS. You know, I, I, I certify as a paramedic in 1982. Sam, do not make fun of me. I know that was a long time ago. Your producer's laughing at me. But I I love EMS. Um, I don't want anybody else doing EMS. I You know, now, are there, are there what we call frequent flyers, people that use the ambulance a lot? Are there abusers to the system? Yes. I think it's an incredible way to get into someone's home, to 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 meet the, you know, to, it, it, yes, it's hard, you know, that you've got to run all these calls and do everything else. And a lot of people go, man, it's a great fire department. We don't, we don't do, uh, uh, we, we don't, we don't do EMS. We don't do ambulances and stuff. And I understand that. Um, my buddy, John Salkin, I've, I've told you, like when he was the captain of 48 engine in the Bronx, they were running about six, 7,000, never less than six, about 7,000 calls a year. When I used to ride out with him, he was averaging 10 to 15 fires a day. I had a dude, I have the journals from back then. Okay. I had girls, ten to fit, and so then when Giuliani got in there, he took EMS, which is a separate department, merged with the fire department. He did the three transit, um, transit housing, and NYP merged them all together as one department, and and they they, they trained a lot of the FDNY firefighters in first aid and gave defibrillators. And they were John's guys rather mind. I go, we're gonna miss jobs. We're gonna miss jobs, and you know we're gonna miss jobs. And you know he goes, you know what? Shut up for a second. He goes, yes, we're gonna miss some jobs. But but seventy two is going to miss jobs and 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 forty five is going to miss jobs and we're going to pick up their stuff and that he goes look on your helmet what does it say on your helmet what does it say in the side it says forty eight what's forty eight we're the best we're the best in the Bronx we're the best he goes we don't and, and I love this we don't pick and choose what we're going to be best at hey we're we're great at fighting fires we suck at EMS but we're great at it no we're either the best at everything or we're not the best at all and this goes back to the senior firefighter who carries a tremendous amount of weight and gets so much done for us in the firehouse, a very much overlooked person. And you can just have five years to be the senior firefighter. Setting that tempo. Um, and, and, and if I can, I'll address this two ways. One is I'm, a couple of years ago, I'm driving the engine back uh, two in the morning. I'm at the volunteer department on a lift assist. We all have the lift assist, right? Oh, yeah. You have about three or four of them. Then this one dies or goes to the nursing home and a new one takes their place. So, you know, I'm driving back, and this young firefighter behind me in the jump seat goes, God, I hate EMS. I says, you hate taking care of people. He goes, no, I said, I hate EMS. I says, you hate taking care of people. I said, let me tell you, my, my dad was a gunnery sergeant in the Marines in Korea. My dad was a firefighter, a Polak, a tough Polak, and a roofer. He passed away a year ago on Father's Day. All right, he had got bladder cancer. He was gone a month and a half. He had home hospice in my cousin's house in Grand Chute, Wisconsin, Right next to Appleton, where Pierce is at, right where I did a, a, 
you know, uh, some minor league ball with the Sox. All right. Um, I said, my the last month my dad was alive because he's stubborn. After everybody got the got, went to bed, he got up out of bed and he, he tried to make it to the bathroom. He fell five times. And the Grand Shoe Fire Department, which I right here, they're in my heart. They'll always be in my heart because they. The Grand Shoot Fire Department put two firefighter paramedics and ambulance, the three on the engine. They drove to my cousin's house. They picked my dad up while he moaned and groaned the, the fifth time after he, they cleaned poop off of him. And this young female firefighter paramedic, they put my dad back in bed, looks on the end table, sees my book, Pride and Ownership, and asks my cousin, is somebody here a firefighter? She says, well, he used to be, but his son wrote that book. They go, she goes, this is Chief Lasky's dad? Now, look, I'm a nobody. I'm just a Yutz firefighter. But my dad's in my book and my dad's in my program. I'm in the fire service because of my dad. The Grand Shoot Wisconsin Fire Department treated my dad five times like that was their own father. Two in the morning, five in the morning, four in the morning. I, I, they, they treat, and I ask people in class all the time, Carly, raise your hand if you're okay with some firefighter coming to your mom or dad's house, your grandma and grandpa's, and treat them like shit. Treat them like they're a nuisance. Raise your hand if you're okay with that. And nobody will raise their hand. I said, why as leaders do we allow our people to do it? Why as senior firefighters, do you not grab a young guy? Goes, you ever do that again, you and I are going to have a problem. That's someone's mom or grandma. Now, are there abusers? Yes, I know that. I've been down that path. I was a paramedic in a busy-ass place. I understand that. It ain't our job to pick and choose. I have an EMS chief for that. Do your job. Get out there. Get up. Go do what you have to do. It is hard now. Because there's fewer and fewer paramedics because we may become a paramedic more and more difficult to obtain. You know, it's a longer and longer program. It's actually a degreed program, so on and so forth. Um, <clears throat> so my buddy Scott Thompson, if anybody's looking for a method that's been extremely successful, I don't know if you've had Scott on your show yet. You need to. Oh, yeah. Scott, yeah. I love, love him. Chief Thompson, um, you know, they've got a great program where they hire strictly paramedics or strictly firefighters or EMTs, and they – they hire paramedics, you have to be a firefighter. You don't have to be one. But if you want to, we'll send you to fire academy. And they do the other thing. And he's had tremendous success in that. So get a hold of Chief Thompson at the colony, the colony fire department. It's always been. I don't care. I know when I was a young firefighter paramedic in 1980, well, a young EMT in 1980, I remember when I was a young paramedic, Bob, I had guys I worked with that hated the ambulance. They I'm just freaking ambulance. This freaking ambulance. And I would get in an hour and a half before my shift. I'd check the ambulance because I love doing it. I would take their gear, Carly, and I'd throw it, throw it. you say, <laughs> I got it. You're off the rig now. And I just, you know, my lieutenant, Bill Allen, had 31 years in a job. And I say this in class. If my lieutenant ever thought I was treating a patient like they were a nuisance, and I adore him. So this day, I adore him. I, I can't even, I can't even, I get nauseous thinking about what would happen if I did that. It, it, we said earlier, you know, it's always about leadership. And that leadership doesn't always have to come from trumpets. It's a senior firefighter sitting at the kitchen table going, guys, come on, let's go. Stop it. Let's go. We got to go take care of this. You know, let's not drag our ass. That's someone's mom. Right now, that's the biggest thing going on in her life. I don't care if she has a suitcase back. That is not our argument. Let's go do it. So it is a challenge morale-wise to keep the guys fired up when you're doing this much EMS and this much fire response. I get that. That has been there since we started rolling inhalator calls back in the old days, you know, in the sixties, you know, when my dad used to do them, you know, on the Southwest side of Chicago and stuff, you know, those kinds of things. So you're never going to get away from that. What you can do is, is, is pick your poison, pick your attitude. You want to be miserable. Misery loves company, you know, and I'm way too competitive. I say all the time, I'm way too competitive. I've never been picked second in my life. 
I've, I, 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 again, my roommate from the Chicago White Sox, we, we talk almost every day with social media. He's the uh, guy he was rookie of the year, 1983, Ron Kittle. Um, uh, all-star, he's the ambassador for the White Sox. 13 roof shots on Comiskey Park, I believe, on the roof. I hit four the softball uh, home running contest. But anyway, um, you know, pick your poison. Pick your attitude. Pick your passion. You know, you want to whine and complain. There's enough of them. I, nobody goes to the firehouse and wants to hear people bitch. You know, so you, there's a lot of things that we have to do that sometimes aren't on the top of our list. Be good at what you're doing. Have that. On the other end, you got to be creative with how you're recruiting people. And I don't think there's any one set answer. It depends on your department, what you pay, where you're at. I was an interim chief at one department that I loved dearly, and it was hard. Single station, not a whole lot of calls. And I'm competing with the Louisvilles and the Grapevines, you know, you know, let alone Dallas and Fort Worth and Arlington. But sure. Louisville, Grapevine, Texas, Flower Mound, Texas. Oh, my God, another great fire department. The Colony, it's hard when you've got multiple station departments that run jobs and you're trying, you know, you're competing with, you know, certain folks. So it, it is a challenge. I, I hope I didn't tap dance around it because that wasn't my, my, my point. Is number one, it's about leadership and keeping people motivated about what they do, even the more mundane stuff, if you will, or whatever. It's a big thing going on in those people's lives. But we've got to be creative how we recruit paramedics nowadays. And, and oh, Scott yeah. Thompson, Chief Thompson from the Colony in Texas, has a great way to do that. No, and and speaking of Scott Thompson, when he teaches his class, he does that. He does that when he had a uh, when he had a cardiac event, kind of, and and he was out of state because he was teaching, and the medics that came and responded to him, and his response to how they treated him. It was just it, when he tells the story. It's I think one of the medics said, "If you're if you're good enough to talk, you're good enough to walk." You know, that, that kind of mentality. And it's, it's an amazing story, but it really snaps it into focus. You know, I I just, you know, I, I remember I I thought I was gonna lose my job. I was a young firefighter paramedic and we had a lot of nursing homes in this one still district and springtime is when those that aren't paying their bills anymore, they end up shipping off to the hospital. And then, you know, anyway, I think it was the fifth time we're at this nursing home and this guy I was working with was really rough with this male patient. He had, soiled himself pretty badly and and just how he was kind of pretty much thrown around trying to get in the cot. And I, look, I'm not the toughest guy in the room, but this fist could cover a lot of face, okay? I mean, I could, and I was, we got to the hospital and he's in, he's in cleaning back in the ambulance and I came back with the cot and I literally, Corley, I chased him from the back door to the side door back for, and if I could have got him, I would have beat his ass. And we got back to the, to, the, to the quarters. I walked into my my fire chief's office, Dick Fashada, one of my dad's friends, and I said, "I said, I said, I'm in trouble, chief." And what I go, "Well, you're going to get a complaint pretty soon, because this is what happened." And yes, I was threatening. Yes, if I could have got my hands on him, I would have. Guess what? The guy never came in. He knew he was wrong. He was no, you know, how he treated that. He he should have been fired for how he treated that patient. You know what I'm saying? Right now. For every time I tell a story like that, I get people that come back and me go, well, you don't know what it's like to work here. You know, yeah, actually, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. I know what it's like to run all night long. I know what it's like that people wait with suitcase. I know what it's like, you know, I know what it's like. I know what it's like, you know. Um, so it, all I can say is McDonald's is hiring in some place. They're paying $20 an hour. If it's a uniform you like, McDonald's will give you a uniform. If it's the radio, you can still talk in radio. You just have to say, 
you know, uh, can I take your order? Matt, can I take your order? You want to use your <laughs> app? Pull up the window number two. You, but you don't have to be a firefighter, EMT, or paramedic anymore. If your goal is to not take care of people, you probably stood in the wrong line a while ago. Mm-hmm. I'm not taking away the challenge it takes to run a lot of calls. You know, I'm not taking it away, but that it is that. Absolutely. No, brother, I love it, man. I, w- I would listen to it. And that's where I'll move to because I love this question. It's one of my favorite questions I ask, and it's book or books that you think firefighters should be reading. does not have to be a firefighter book. It's just books that you think firefighters should read. The the book that I'll, I'll tell you, I've got, I've got bookcases full of books. I've got some great, you know, if I want to pick the book a book because – you know, I was going to say Colin Powell's at work for me, but the book that changed my life as a person, as a father, as a husband. Look, when I was a fire chief in my career, I've got 45 years. I, you know, I made mistakes. I wish I could go back and fix things, how I said things, how I did things, decisions I made, just like everybody else. Uh, all I could do is push a reset button and move on. Um, but but the book that I fell in love with was given to me as a gift. My good friend, Jay Jester, he's the chief in Salisbury, New York. I saw, ooh, forget, I'm sorry, Salisbury, Maryland. I can't believe I said that. Sorry, Jay. Jay Jess is the chief of Salisbury. He's a deputy chief in Ocean City, Maryland. And, and a long time ago, I was there teaching and went to dinner with him and his lovely wife, Annie. And she says, so Rick Hanjep in Texas. And I told the whole story about my son moving here when he was little with my, my first wife. And I said, I think things were meant to be. She said, oh, my God, do you think things are meant to be? Things happen for a reason. I said, yeah, I believe a lot of things are written now. She goes, have, have you ever, ever read the book, The Five People You Meet in Heaven? Written by Mitch Album, same guy who wrote Tuesdays with Maury. And I said, Annie, do I look like a guy that read the, the book The Five Kids in Heaven? If it doesn't have a hockey player on a fire engine, I probably didn't read it. She goes, No, it's a great book. It teaches you that in order to forgive others, you have to learn to forgive yourself first. And and then all those bad things like actually go, you know, gold nuggets that God's giving you you have to spin around the positives. I went, anyway, they bought me the book and the the the, the long the, the short end of the stories that changed my life. And and out of there there's so many lessons out of that book and out of that movie. And and Mitch Alba was a sports reporter up in Detroit. I love Detroit. I love Motown. <coughs> um he's written a bunch of books, bestsellers, movies are made after him. But this book changed my the lessons I got from this book changed my life. How I how I as a firefighter, as a father I, I I I stopped counting years ago, years and years ago, and over 200 copies of his book I've given away. Wow. When people come in and say, you know, I think things happen for a reason to achieve, I go, here, read this. I'll tell you why. Or why is this going on with my wife or my husband or my kids? Read this. They'll tell you why. Then they'll tell you how to fix it. Mm. It's a book about sacrifice. It's a book about love. It's a book about hate and getting rid of the hate. You know, the hate's a curved blade and that that the harm you think you do with ours, you do to yourself. You need to unload the rocks and just – the difference you can make in people's lives are not as, as dramatic as we think they are. They're day-to-day. It's, it's a shaking a hand. It's reading to a kid, promoting literacy. It's helping a senior, treating someone's grandma like it's your own grandma. It's changing a smoke detector battery. It's changing a flat tire or something on the side of the road at night when you're on your engine. By the way, nothing I just said is exciting stuff that we do. It's the more mundane, boring stuff that has – it's the simple, insignificant things that have the greatest impact on people's lives. The five people you meet in heaven, written by Mitch Album. It's a if you te- if you type in the five people, it already comes up. It's a great boom. There you go. I'm going to order it because it's been suggested to me before. But with that with that endorsement, I have to read it, man. <laughs> I have to read it. So 
I have a list of books that I plan to read. It's like in the nineties now. There's ninety some books because I ask this question so often, and I I don't read that fast. So, but I want to move that up to the top. So, thank you for that. Um, now, here's the thing: uh, a lot of people don't know that uh, they know you're back on the scrap. But number thirty eight, you were number thirty eight. Uh, really, episode thirty eight. But even more important, you were the fifteenth guest because the first eleven were just me talking. And then oh. interspersed between number 11 and I'm number 38, there was a few. So you were one of the OGs, one of the originals that ever came on. Oh, so, honored, so a lot of stuff has I'm, changed. How about if you had me back? Usually people say, we don't want that guy. There's a Sam, your producer in the background going, never again. Cut it. Never cut again. it. No. <laughs> I love it. No, but I don't know uh, when I started doing the five questions. So I don't think you've ever been exposed to the five questions. No. So the original question was just, what's wrong with the American Fire Service? That was the original one I asked, and I think I asked you that way back then. And it was a timely question at the time, you know, but it was very negative. So then I developed the five questions for firefighters, and it was something we did for almost 100 episodes. And then, of course, after 100 episodes, a lot of the low-hanging fruit had been plucked, so we changed it up. And then we changed it up again, and now we're currently at what is called the five questions for firefighters version 3.2. So that's where we're at, and that's what you're getting ready to get exposed to. I Uh-oh. here's what I don't know. I and I'll t- I'll just tell the audience. I dropped the ball. Usually, I send the email to the guest like a week before, but when there's someone that's coming back, I don't. I'm I'm not as uh, diligent. So today, I sent him the email. I don't even know if you saw the five questions. So I don't know if you've seen them. And no, actually, I, I know you sent me. I, I read it. I read it okay. before. Not putting you on the spot. I'm just saying. I, I'm just. Yeah, I'll be you- honest with you. I'll be honest with you. I made. I made a. I made a couple of runs today. I was with my chief Ryan Fetzer from Wichita West. Right on. Um, and we were talking about a lot of stuff. And then I spent the whole afternoon and evening leading up to this putting our 2024 drill schedule together for my volunteer department. You know, putting all the topics and right on instructors. So. No, I did, but go ahead, hit me. No, I'm not saying you that. I'm just giving you an out for it because usually <laughs> I give I give the guest no, preparation no, and I didn't. So these are coming at you. Now here's the deal. There is no right or wrong answer. They are strictly your opinion. That's the that's the caveat of the five questions. So there's no right or wrong answer. And then the points are arbitrary. They're assigned by me with the help of the audience. So my question for you first off is Chief Lasky, are you ready for the five questions for firefighters version three point two? Absolutely. All right, let's do this. Number one, what is the skill that has carried you through your fire service career? My my passion and love for the job. You know, I'm I'm not. I've always said I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I've got my degrees. I have my umpteen certifications. <clears throat> I'm, I'm proudly sit on the Columbia Southern uh, University uh, advisory board for. Uh, all their public, you know, the, 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 the fire service EMS, all those, all the, all, all their associates up to, to the, to their doctorates. Um, uh, but my passion, my love for the job has carried me. It's, it's helped me through bad times. It's helped me through the loss of friends. It's helped me through, uh, it's helped me with the good stuff. It's helped me to get me where I'm at. Uh, like I said earlier, passion drives success. My passion love for the job is, is what has, has pushed me and continues. I have no, I have no desire to to stop doing it anytime in the near future. I'm going to be doing this for a long time. <clears throat> My passion. Easiest max points I've ever given. I will say that unequivocally. But the audience says, Alan, he, he said it before you even started answering. I'll go ahead and give max points. So that one doesn't count. But Jake <laughs> Deal said max. And Josh Everett said, there's the passion, baby. Three exclamation points, max points. So... <laughs> 
Josh Weil says max points. So the audience agrees. Absolute max points. They're still flying in. Max, max. Uh, if you get a chance later on, Chief, go back and visit the Facebook. You can see all of the all the comments. Um, but you absolutely crushed, uh, and it's consistent with your answers throughout the show. So that always plays into it. All right, number two. One of my favorite questions. I love this question. Um, and there is actually now a Spotify playlist that you can download. Everybody who has answered this question, you can go listen to their songs on that playlist. But <laughs> it's job town. It's time. Fire's burning. You are in route. You have to imagine the scene from backdraft. They're responding, and he slaps that tape into the tape deck. What song? Yeah, you know this guy. <laughs> you know the scene. So, uh, what what song are you playing in route? You know, I don't know if I I can't give you one song. I I I, I have to go with with. Uh, with with artists, I mean, I I I be I be playing what do they call it the, uh, you know their the greatest hits the greatest hits I, you know number one would be Elvis Presley and, and the other one would be anything from the old Motown like the Temptations and the Four Tops, you know the Temps and the Four Tops. I'm a Motown boy. I love Detroit, and and Elvis Presley. You know um, that though there'd be a a reel playing with those songs behind me. And it's funny you say backdraft. By the way, my wife was in backdraft, which really pissed me off about that because I wanted to be in backdraft. She got to be in it. And actually, coincidentally, the 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 best man at my wedding, uh, Ray Hoff and his wife Barb. Barb was my wife's maid of honor. Ray was my best man. Ray passed away suddenly years ago after surgery, but he and his brother Bobby are the real backdraft brothers. Loosely, yeah, right. right. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, so it'd be. El- across, across, and they're very similar if you think about it. Elvis Presley and Motown and, and the Four Tops and the Temptations. Man, that that, that they just be spinning playing. I will give you this: the audience says Heath Sideway said "boom" with fourteen exclamation points. It looks like Daniel Harris said "max points," which I think the audience is being generous. I'm not disagreeing. Josh Everett said "Motown" for the max points. <laughs> Uh, Jake Deal said, Elvis, has that ever been a choice on the scrap with the, but, and Josh Weiss says Max. So here's what I ask you, chief. This is for, uh, and they're still saying Max, you're getting Max points. So Motown, (laughs) Motown and Elvis gets you Max points, but is there a specific song that we can add to the playlist? If you had to pick one, I'm not to put you on the spot. I think, I think, um, uh, if it, if it was, what was it? It'd be Hound Dog. Hound Dog. Okay. Okay, because we want to add it to the Spotify playlist to keep the posterity going. I think Hovelman said Elvis also, did he not? Someone someone, someone in the audience let me know, because it might be the second Elvis or the first Elvis. Uh, yeah, it was Burning oh, Love. Oh, there you go. Burning Love. Yes, there's so many. Burning Love. But, you know, you talk about a boss. You know, I could go back in time. You know, you ain't nothing but a hound dog, you know. Right, right. Hearing that from your boss, stuff like that. But anyway. We used to do a lot of bark- we used to do a lot of barking in my truck company. So, I love this question, especially coming at you, Chief. I don't, uh, man. I love this question, and I want to hear your answer. It's number three. What is your favorite fire service tradition? It would it would it would have to be sitting around the kitchen table talking shop. The kitchen. I I'll tell you. You know. And I, I'll, t- I'll tell you this, Corley, please don't confuse confidence for cockiness. Um, I make fun of myself all the time. Like I said, egos eat brains, but but I am confident with what I do. Um, I run a good fire. 
but the kitchen table, man, I learned so much. I've learned out of all the classes, out of all the schools, I, whether I attend or teach, um, I'm a student of the fire service. I get done teaching. I sit in other people's classes to take notes. Um, the kitchen table, man, when I was young, listening to the older members, listening to the senior guy, listening to the bosses, the, the, sitting out with a cup of coffee after dinner, at lunchtime, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what time. The kitchen table, man. And I love this. You know, if you sat in the 18th Battalion in the Bronx, if you're, I'll give you an example. I was at 45 Engine 58 truck with my buddy John Salkatz with 18 Battalions at. And Proby got his phone out. And I, I don't think this would have ever happened. I, I know it didn't happen again. And he got a what for from a guy saying, put that damn thing away. Either go upstairs, you know, do not, not when we're at the kitchen table. Mm. Folks don't we're at the kitchen table, you know, this is family time. This is where we talk. This is where, you know, this whole real brother sister thing that, that some people couldn't find the word brotherhood. And there's a her in my brotherhood, by the way, with two hands of flash on a CNI dog. That's where you, you sit down and you talk and you work through issues and problems. You solve all the problems of the fire service. You get fired up. You talk about jobs, you talk about tools, leadership. Oh my God. I, I, Talking shop at the kitchen table is my favorite thing. Even now, when we go travel somewhere, we go to firehouse, sit down and talk. I love doing it. <laughs> there is no, I don't, I don't, I don't think there exists in any other profession. I don't think the 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 firehouse table, and I know putting firehouse in front of it, but that that that's the rallying point, Corley. That's where he, if it you doesn't have, exist like, anywhere else. Chow's on, chow's on. Everybody comes together. Chow's on again. Chow, you know, we we break bread there. We clean up there. We we celebrate there. We all right. Everybody in the kitchen. Meet me in the kitchen. All right, five minutes. I got to. We we rally there. We talk there. We go over things there. We counsel there. It's just it's just a great thing. No, without a doubt. Max points easy, and I think about thirty five people agreed with me as they as it scrolls by on the on the thing. So without a doubt. Okay. This one is on the clock, and and you have no you have no prior warning of this one. So, uh, uh, good luck is what I'll say. I'm gonna but, lose points here. I'm losing points here. I already know that. No, it's on the clock. You have one minute to answer. I'll give you plenty of. I mean, plenty of prep time. It is basically you get to nominate four people to put on your Mount Rushmore of the fire service. Your yours and yours alone. Your opinion. Nothing else needs to qualify it. But one minute. No honorable mentions. Just four. And so when you're ready, well, I'll say just their names, not why, just their names. No, no, you, you have a minute, so you can give okay. the why as much as possible. Right. And uh, and Sam will put the clock where you can see it, and then go. All right, number one, Chief John Salka, my best friend, the best friend I have in my life, absolutely incredible, incredible person. Chief John Salka, number one, number two would be Chief Bobby Halton. Bobby's passion, his love for the job. What he did will go unmatched. I miss Bobby dearly. Um, number three would be uh, Chief Alan Brunacini, my yeah. surrogate godfather, the godfather of the fire service that did so much for the fire service. Uh, what an incredible leader, what an incredible mentor of mine. I owe him dearly. And uh, what, that's three? That's three. Uh, you got one more. Number four, number four Chief Edward, Edward Croker of the FDNY from uh, 1899 to like 1910, 1911. The father of fire prevention, mm. the greatest mustache ever in the fire service. Um, I only have one ambition in life, and that is to be a fireman. Be a fireman. You know, that, that you know, yeah, yes. those, those are my four. I love it, bro. With 20 seconds to spare, smoked it. 
Uh, Absolutely smoked it with. I got so many more. Can we? Can we? Can can you? That, give me- that, that is the reason we had to do the minute, and we had to do the Mount Rushmore because there is there is so many people you could you could. I, I, so I know they're, they're in my pride and ownership book. They're in my our leadership book. There's so many. Every one of us, Corley, is where we're at today because other people are lives. Absolute I would be giants. nowhere. Giants. I would be absolutely nowhere if it wasn't for my mentors, and 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 you know my, my, the the leaders in my life, whether I actually met them or followed them or whatever, but I'd be nowhere without the people that have impacted my life. hundred percent brother. And, 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 and understand that this is by no means meant to slight all those hundreds of people who've impacted you shape or form. It is strictly for entertainment to put you on the clock and say, pick four. <laughs> and it is fun. It is fun. I'm not going to lie. And, and everybody agrees because you at four for four max points, uh, as they say, wow, we max points blew that out of the water. Damn. I thought I was going to lose points there for sure. <laughs> Damn, max points for the fastest answers yet. Max points killed that one. Yes, the best Mount Rushmore so far. That's that's high praise. Oh, cool. That's high praise. That was a Hall of Fame Mount Rushmore from Dan Bender. Man, absolutely. So that's kind of the comments you're getting. So just to keep you up for it. All right. <laughs> Final question. It's the same question. This question has never changed, although you've never been exposed to it. So for you, it's a first time. And that is this. Heavy fire. Searchable space. Would you rather be assigned to the nozzle or first in on the VES? VES. I'm a truck guy. Look, Salka, my buddy John gives me, he blows me shit all the time. He tells his favorite joke in class. Do you know why truck guys cut a hole in the roof? Because they look down and see what the real firefighters are doing. He he just gives me, by the way, he's a truck officer in his volunteer department, South Blooming Grove now. So for all your listeners, feel free to send him all the, the, the jokes now. But anyway, um, no, Ven- Ven- I've always liked that. I-, I was a roofer like my dad, so that got me pushed to a truck company in my career. Right on. And not to take any away from from the nozzle, because you know what, I-, I love truck work. I've never I've never seen a fire fire beat a fire out with a pike pole. I've seen them try, but you know, the engine crew is where it's at. But for me, good God, it's making a hallway, punching through a window, venting or a search. And a good job is like trying to make a basement in a basement fire. I mean, you're crawling into the throat of, of, of you know, it's it's pushing, it's doing everything it can, especially if you've been in a search where you think you may have somebody in there and you know what's on the other side of that door. You know, right. the, the, the adrenaline, the, the rush of going in, doing a quick search, you're by yourself, you know, event, you're boom, you're in, you're doing it, coming out. Um, uh, oh, it's 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 vest. It's been in our search for me. It's the search, you know. It's cutting holes in roofs. It's punching punching out, you know, it's punching down ceiling. It's it's searching and all that. Not to take anything away from the fabulous men and women on the engine side, but God, I, I love truck work. I love it. Boom! There you go. The five <laughs> questions for firefighters, and you absolutely. There is no wrong answers. Only your opinions, and all I care about is the why. You know, and and absolutely, I love it. Max points, five for five. Crush. I like that you said heavy fire because there are some people that you know they got like a trash can fire and they go, man, I was in there, I was fighting the red dragon, I was in the jaws of the inferno, you know, uh, I was dancing with the the, the devil and all that right, stuff. Right. And it was like a little bit of smoke. So I love yeah. asking the question, and and don't get me wrong, my my personal answer is ves vets. I want I want to I want to be I want to be the one going in there, you know. But then I, I was on Twitter or someone sent me a picture on Twitter or X or whatever it's called now. But they sent the picture and they said, what about this one, chief? And, dude, it was just it was rocking and rolling. And I'm like, 
I don't know, man. I'd really like to have the nozzle on that one. Well, but, but, but a lot of guys, and not to get down, you know, chase this rabbit hole, uh, you know, rabbit down this rabbit hole, but, you know, for a while, a bunch of years ago, we we uh, we started lying to little kids. We tell little kids about closing the door and keeping the door closed if it's hot or you have smoke or whatever because the firefighter's coming to get you. That's not always the case if you stand outside in the front lawn. Right. And my buddy Sal Marchese, I tell this story in class all the time. He's at 142 truck in Queens. They had a job in a tenement, and they had fire out a bunch of windows. The only window that didn't have fire is where his his firefighter, his bucket went up and did a vendor search and pulled the guy. got a metal for it. Pulled the guy mm. out. Mm. So, you know, what you see out the front is a shitload of fire, which is a technical term. Okay, shitload. Highly you know, technical. For you could go around the back and not see it. The one room that may not be involved. You know, everybody wants a post to the pictures. You know, closing the door. You see the hallway gutted. And then you see the left, the door's open, the room's got it. And the room on the right, it's like they just made the bed. Yes. So if that's true, that closing the door, which it does, makes it much of a difference. Like David Rhodes said, Chief Rhodes, about searching searchable areas. You know, if if there's no fire, we search till we say there's no more areas we can search. Boom. We get our, like John was saying, get your ass in there and get after the fire. But we search searchable areas. There's no re- There's no excuse for not searching a searchable area. Love it. Love it. And that you can't close it any better than that, man. And that officially makes it 225 scraps in the books with the max points. Uh, absolutely knocking it out of the park with his first exposure, by the way, to the five questions. So absolutely crush it. Chief Lasky, if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to reach out to you, what's the best way to do so? Uh, best, best way, just go to the website. That website has my phone number on it. It's got everything else you may want if you want to get a copy of the book. We sum in our costs. So I can save you some money and sign it for you. Uh, that's Chief Lasky. You know, Penwell set this up for me. Clarion set this up for me. Everything I have is Chief Lasky. My website chieflasky.com, Twitter, social media, email, everything. But the easiest way is chieflasky.com. Brother, thank you for sharing your evening oh, with thanks us. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's been awesome. Um, housekeeping, uh, go to firehousevigilance.com. There you can be a vigilante. Uh, it's five bucks a month. Sign up for the year, whatever you want to do. That's where we get to do the cool stuff. Right now, we're actually booking for 2024, and most of the uh, suggestions come from the vigilantes. They get to shape the scrap. They're the ones who pick the next five questions. They do that kind of stuff, so it's a lot of fun. Um, and we do the vigilante after party, which Chief is invited to. He said he may show up. I did not hold him committed to it, but and and so we'll be doing that. I'll post the link as soon as we end. With all that being said, next week, well, Chief Lasky, first of all, closes out what has been an amazing 2023. I'm not going to lie. Oh, I get to do that too. I'm you honored. closed out the year. Now, here's what I want to say to you. Now, you know, some people say you finally got to me. You finally got to him. No, I, I, man, I cannot believe that I haven't had you on since 38. So here's Sam, what I'm going to do. Sam, did never, Sam said, I, it's Lasky, that's all we have left, you know? <laughs> no, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. You don't have to answer. I'm not putting you on the spot. I'm putting you on the spot live. But yeah. I'm going to say this. We closed out 2023 with you being the last show of the year. I would like to ask you, if you're interested, don't answer on live, but I'll, I'll, I'll follow up. I would like you to do another show at the end of 2024. Just, to, just I'll do. I'll, I'll give my answer I, right now. Absolutely, be honored okay. to do it. I would love to touch on the it and always drive those points home. Plus, whatever else we want to talk about, and the audience wants to throw. But I was going to say, don't have to answer, but you already did. So it's <laughs> you're going to close out 2024. It's in the books. Sign so, me up, buddy. Okay. I'm there, dude. I will. I will make sure and make it happen. So that's it. Uh, 
everybody else, audience, thank you for being here. You guys, absolutely, I love you. You make the show what it is with your unbelievable questions. I had eight questions lined out to ask Chief Lasky to talk about. I asked him one of mine, and the rest came from you, and you guys made it an unbelievable scrap. Between you and the Chief's breadth of knowledge and the ability – I don't know what it is with it. it's like a steel trap with the history and the ability to take that history and tie it to passion and say, why don't you feel this way? I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you. Well, that being said, thank you for sharing your evening with us, chief. Thank you, My audience. Man. You make the scrap magical. Mutts don't scrap. I hope the tones stay silent unless it is burning. Everybody stay th- Thanks for listening to The Weekly Scrap. Please subscribe and please share. We'll see you at the next episode.